Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we're looking at 16 years of DC animated movies to see which stories are sweet and which ones are sour on yet another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode, yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Stolen Memories premiered on Superman, the animated series. It involves Superman debating if he should go to space with a little boy named Brainiac. And by little boy, I mean he's a man. He's a fully grown robot man. He's a fully grown robot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. That's, Damn, that's when it happened, many, 1996. Yeah, how many times have they used Brainiac storyline now? <laughs> Apparently, he's like the most recurring Superman villain of all time in like other media. No. Oh, yes, he is. I'm realizing that now because Doomsday is fairly recent in terms of like movies, but Brainiac has been has appeared at least on like three live action shows that yeah. I can think of, or at least two that I could think of. Yeah. But yeah, all this talk about Brainiac. Um, why are we doing this? Well, it's because of today's movie. It's like a deep philosophical question there. Like, why are we? Why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes, today we are talking about the next film in our sweet and sour season, the 2013 film Superman Unbound. At a runtime of 75 minutes, this film is directed by James Tucker, who I just want to give his uh, give him his flowers real quick because he is a black man who is killing it in the DC animation game. Um, he directed this film, the Vixen movie that um, is a part of the Arrowverse. He's directed many episodes of Batman Beyond. I think he actually also directed some episodes of Static Shock that we've covered. Um, he wrote the Adam West Batman animated films that have been coming out recently. And basically he's produced or has some kind of variant producing role in every single DC animation production from Justice League to basically the entire DC AMU. That's a resume. Yeah. Yeah. So um, James Tucker, if you're out there, please let us know. <laughs> We're calling you up. We would love to talk to you about your journey and just hear more about this film, um, Superman Unbound, which uh, real quick, noticing that this film is a requel. You know, that's our phrase for um, reboot sequel. Um, thank you for yet another MCU podcast for giving us that terminology because it is a requel to our Superman Batman apocalypse film. Yeah, I did notice some connections, yet some continuity problems. Yeah. <laughs> I love when there's a continuity error between two standalone movies. It was just like, y'all tried, but you, you didn't do it. <laughs> just read the script. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, if you're interested in that Batman Apocalypse movie, just, you know, check out a couple of our episodes previously. A couple, what was it, a couple episodes back or so. Um, this movie is based on the 2008 Superman Brainiac story arc by Jeff Johns, and the plot of today's film is basically Superman and Supergirl faced off against a super smart galactic threat that has ties to their past in the battle of brains versus brawn, um, basically Revenge of the Nerds in a little way. <laughs> <laughs> buff nerds, but yeah. But yeah, really buff nerds. Um, our cast list is as follows. We have uh, Matt Bomer, who is some between some time between playing a white collar criminal and then later a white bandage reluctant hero on DC's Doom Patrol. Um, he's voicing Superman in our film today. I can see you smile at you because you're just like, I know you love Doom Patrol. I love Doom Patrol. That's all I got. I love a deep cut Doom Patrol reference. <laughs> And uh, coming up soon, we don't know if he's going to be in this series, but uh, we do have Rings of Power from a Lord of the Rings spinoff. Um, Denethor from Lord of the Rings, a.k.a. John Noble, eventually vacated his throne to voice Brainiac in our movie today. Um, also, fun fact about John Noble. Did you know he voiced Malice, the time demon from Legends of Tomorrow? Jesus. No, I didn't know that. Now I do. 
<laughs> yeah, he uh, fought and lost against our champion Debo there. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Lord and Savior. All right. And to wrap up the cast list, I do have a question for you, Andrew. What crime drama series featuring another DC animation alum did the next three voices work together in? Uh, I want to say CSI specifically Las Vegas. There was some forensics there, uh, but no, unfortunately, it is Castle. Um, ah. We have Nathan Fillion, who is not in our film, but we have pretty much a majority of his castmates from the show as Jason Begay voices the terrorist at the beginning of the film that killed, kidnaps um, Lois Lane. We got Stan Akadik, who also now voices Lois Lane in our film. And Molly Quinn, who plays his daughter on the show, um, Alexis, he voices Kara Zorel, a.k.a. Supergirl. And I just like to thank my wife for this knowledge of Castle because she has watched it at least 50 times from beginning to end as far as I could t- count. Oh, well, I guess, you know, on the weekend, they were like, hey, you want to do a DC movie? It's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. So um, the stats in our film are set. The cast list is set. So first off, we know what kind of police officers we're dealing with in this movie because <laughs> Lois Lane has been ki- kidnapped and held hostage by terrorists. Does that stop the police from blasting at her? No, they are shooting directly at Lois. I'm like, <laughs> do you even care that she's a hostage? Or are you aiming for her? Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the Metropolis PDA and Gotham PD, if, if we're going to say that it is um, that Batman Apocalypse and this movie are kind of connected, they have the same training manual. They shoot on site regardless of the civilians around. <laughs> Just safer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and as they are trying to save Lois, um, I got to give it to the terrorists that were in the beginning of this film here. They immediately take out the cops by planting a bomb, fly off in the helicopter and give the cops just enough time so they can run away, making sure they don't get murder attached to their um, attached to their like resume of their rap sheet. And I do wonder, though, what was the point of kidnapping Lois? I I didn't gather that reason why. I think later they there's a throwaway line that she volunteered to be the hostage. Um, And for some but again for some reason the police have no regard for that woman's life because they were clearly <laughs> blasting in her direction and i'm i'm actually not sure if anyone else would have made a difference like if it was jimmy olsen i'm pretty sure it would have been the same result <laughs> these cops did not care and lois even acknowledges that the police hate her um and she does to show she has some fight she asks the terrorist hey why are you pulling this off in Metropolis? Why don't you do this in Gotham, which it would be much easier? And they go, well, there's an earthquake on the other side of the world. Superman's probably busy. And he is busy. But you know who isn't busy? His cousin Kara. Who I'm calling Kara. I do not care. I don't care, everyone. I've said a Kara too long. It's Kara mm-hmm. Danvers, damn it. <laughs> yeah, they unfortunately do the Kara again in the movie. Um, it did take me out of the scenes a couple of times when he kept calling out to her. Because it is Kara. Kara Zorel. We have made it now that is too iconic for it to be Kara. We don't care about Kara. And she's Supergirl's like flying through. She's really showing that she's making her own as a superhero in Metropolis. As um, you know, the the guy, the terrorist there, he is shocked that you know Superman has a cousin. And it's clear Lois points out that maybe you should just read the news more often because I had the whole expose about it. And Superman catches the helicopter. So yeah, after Superman palms this helicopter, we get this the most one of the most ridiculous Superman rescues I've ever seen. Because <laughs> not only does Supergirl laser off Lois Lane's ropes, Jesus girl, that's so dangerous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Superman, a terrorist tries to shoot Lois, so Superman tips the entire helicopter. Yes, he told Lois to buckle up. But you know what doesn't buckle up? Bullets, which could have easily hit Lois while you were doing that tipping helicopter thing. So, yeah, I need to relax with the rescue. All right. Just chill out because that's not how you save people. So ironic that he would go to that level of extreme of carelessness, because in the next scene, Superman immediately starts going at her saying that, like, what you did was careless. You know, somebody could have gotten hurt. You should have just taken down this threat immediately. It seems like you more just wanted to be involved in the fight. And... Again, I don't understand how the what anything that Superman did was any more harmful than what Kara was doing. Not at all. There's no difference. No. Uh, so now we find out that uh, Supergirl has been operating, living on Earth for the last several months. Um, this is kind of where we were getting the sense that maybe this is a sequel. But 
she feels like she isn't connecting like she feels like she has so much power but she feels like she has to be trapped on the farm um not being able to talk to anybody and the only time that she ever gets a chance to you know be around superman is sometimes when they're teaming up for battle but for the most part superman has all that handled and she even states that like you know it's unfair that she doesn't get a chance to take care of him because technically she is older than him given the fact that she was born before him. However, um, new news drop, uh, there was a wormhole that um, sent her over and she was trapped in that wormhole for an extended period of time versus Clark, who was able to get through the wormhole as a baby when he first arrived on Earth. She was trapped in the wormhole, causing her to get put into uh, suspended animation. So she is physically and mentally younger than Clark now is at this point. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later on because again <laughs> continuity um i have questions mm. but uh so i do like this idea though of Kara. you know she saying like you know i had to go from my whole life knowing krypton to here mm-hmm. and it's just been a few months for me for you it's been you know you grew up as from a baby you've been you lived here for like 30 years you know you don't have a connection to krypton so you don't know what it really is to lose that and i do like that idea emphasis on idea as we are uh further exploring it we cut to clark kent's corner office (laughs) bro i don't know what happened what is his job like where what level is he at right now because um he has an office not only does he be on an office he has seating for other people. Yeah. They could just come in and chat with him. I don't understand where it, most stacked character right here. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but him and Lois are having an argument. Basically, Lois, in one of the most contradictory speeches I have ever heard put to paper, Lois basically is upset about being saved by Superman. Now, let's remind everyone in the room, she volunteered to be captured by terrorists and needed his help. And when he's like, when he says, like, you needed my help, she's like, yeah, I did. What are you trying? (laughs) What argument are you trying to win here? We'll this argument does go on for we'll keep going on. But sorry, we have to make room for our most Jack character, Lombard. (laughs) The fellow reporter at the Daily Planet. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. He is the just like typical machismo, but I, I think it's just hilarious that um he enters the room, Clark vanishes because he doesn't want again, doesn't want to make it seem as if he was hanging out with Lois because there's another element to their relationship in which he is hiding the fact that he and Lois are actually together. Um, so Lombard, as he walks in, he just sees Lois, the two of them start talking. And this is when Lombard starts saying that, like, you know, I got some ideas about Kent. He um kind of, you know, doesn't really hang out, doesn't really talk with anybody. Um, uh, never really seen him with uh, somebody else on his arm. You know, I'm wondering if maybe uh you know something. And I'm just couldn't stop laughing at the fact that they spent this much dialogue. <laughs> on Lombard <laughs> way too much dialogue on Lombard thinking Superman is gay it went on <laughs> for way too long like <laughs> uncomfortably long this bit I'm like okay we we got it it's mm-hmm. like no we got it guys we got it okay <laughs> goes on way too long so um Lombard tries again and this guy is bigger than Superman like <laughs> muscles on muscles and when he tries to hit on Lois um superman comes in he hits the chair with the laser beams destroys one of his many office chairs just to have (laughs) lobard fall flat on his face and again lois is again angry about clark stepping in to save her but she does reveal the undercurrent of she's more resentful that clark will not openly date her um so that's where the anger is really coming from but mm. the protection argument, it will continue. But we don't have time for that because a meteor is coming to Earth. Yeah, so this thing is picking up speed. This is, honestly, this was more destructive than Kryptonite Meteor in um, Public Enemies, to be honest. Yeah. Because this thing crashes through a satellite and causes so much distress amongst NASA or whatever space 
Forster or X, whatever you call it, as they're all frantically trying to figure out, like, where is this ball, this meteor coming from? So Superman, he hears the, um, the calls coming through. So he immediately flies off to go try and stop the meteor from crashing into a very rural kind of like desert-like area. Um, and as he catches it, we realize that the meteor starts to catch Superman as a hand comes out and the ball turns into a anthropomorphic metallic being that's not metallo so this is where you know i felt like maybe there was he had a chance but we know how superman feels about robots based on our last couple of movies oh yeah and he definitely continues that trend here because um it's a great animated fight there's a lot of fun aerial action there's a little funny bit where this robot tries to shoot a spike at Superman's head and it just bounces off harmlessly and Superman looks annoyed that he even tried. <laughs> and to continue his hatred for robots, to let all of them know, do not come here. He punches that robot right through the heart and collects the evidence. And, you know, he... <laughs> this entire battle, apparently... Again, funniest line of the movie, it didn't mean to be, but... This entire battle was broadcast on the news with amateur footage. Bro, <laughs> what amateur was out there flying around capturing this action? All right? They showed the full battle. Who Who was doing this? Booster Gold? <laughs> it's the CW's um, cameraman for The Flash. That's who this is. The only person <laughs> who can keep up at that top speed. <laughs> Just right on. He's the fastest in the line. <laughs> So now that Superman has taken down the threat, he takes the um, robotic being over to the Fortress of Solitude. But Supergirl is um, where we left her last from our Superman Batman Apocalypse film, but not really in that universe, I guess. But yeah, so Supergirl um, gets on this typical Kryptonian on Earth disguise where she has the glasses and then they give her a wig um i have issues with this wig because i don't understand why this wig was bigger than her like it was it looked like it was actually longer than as longer than she was tall and it looked like she was just basically wearing a giant sun hat and honestly i would be more wondering why this person looks like this than trying to think that like oh yeah, this person, I need to get a, and I could avoid this person or not keep an eye out for this person. I'm now what need to know is like, is this fake? Is, is there something different? Could she be Supergirl? I don't know who, why they decided to give her this wig, honestly. Especially because like no one knows her. Like, right. She doesn't go to school or like, what, what's, what's the plan here? Like it's a terrible wig. Um, like luckily, Clark doesn't wear a wig. What happened? Yeah. It's like just glasses. <laughs> Luckily, Ma Kent is there with some sage advice to balance it out where she just mentions, you know, you're not Cal. You're not Superman. You don't you're not going to go what he went through. You'll have a different experience and make it as valid as you want it to be. And we have this nice, nice heart to heart. But once they see that amateur footage from the Flash cameraman, Kara knows trouble is afoot. So she immediately makes her way to the Fortress of Solitude. And reveals that this robot appeared right before a city disappeared. And we have, thankfully, our only flashback of the film <laughs> happens right now. <laughs> Still traumatized from Edward Lights and the 800 <laughs> flashbacks. Yeah. So, yes, thankfully, it really is the only flashback. We just get right back to the point as um, Supergirl recounts the story. And I do appreciate that we do also have a reliable narrator versus... Hal just telling the stories that he's heard. And Supergirl tells us as Superman about how um these um how these robots arrived in the city of Kandor. They immediately started to attack everyone. At one point, they gathered enough information. They did a very similar thing, which we saw was happening in Superman, where they sent a spike through people's heads. And it was clear that that was to collect data. And from that data, they realized who was worth keeping and who they could just eliminate. So she starts telling us also that, um, you know, at one point people are really trying to evacuate the city and she was there with her family, her parents and uh, some friends. And unfortunately she got out along with a couple of people, but 
um, her friends and a ton of people were left trapped while the Brainiac ship came up top of the city and a whole dome started to encapsulate it. And But we don't get a chance to see much about it because at that moment, Kandor starts to shrink or disappear. And this leads to Supergirl believing that the entire city of Kandor is gone. And then later on, in just a couple of months or weeks, whatever it was, the planet of Krypton was fully destroyed. Question here. Kara escapes mm-hmm. the city of Kandor with her parents, correct? Yeah. All right. We're going to keep that in the back pocket for later. Anyway... <laughs> Um, so Superman decides he's not waiting for this guy to keep threatening the earth or any earth. So he decides I'm going to go take the fight to him. So in a funny little nod, he gets in a spaceship. (laughs) Superman's spaceship is just funny. And (laughs) he decides to go off and he pretty quickly finds a planet in trouble. There's a bunch of holy aliens because the robots have blasted holes through them in very graphic mm-hmm. ways again pg mm-hmm. um, pg-13 is- this one this is, okay this, this is why this is the only reason why i was like okay i guess that's acceptable that's a weird thing to say <laughs> yeah it's a lot a lot of blood and <laughs> superman is trying to turn the tide against these aliens luckily it's also a yellow sun thank god and he's trying to turn the tide he's trying to fight back trying to break into the ship but there's a little bit of a problem because his enemy decides to just blow up the sun <laughs> nearby. <laughs> and apparently the ship is so brolic, it can withstand getting hit by the force of an exploding sun. And it, But that does knock out Superman for a bit. That's fine. That's, that's fair. And Superman is captured by this mysterious enemy. And of course, it is a weird thing to say now I'm thinking about it. Um, the alien tries to do a... Like, what was it what do they call it? a dissection kind of yeah, thing. kind of like a autopsy kind of yeah, kind of that kind of thing. So, luckily for Superman, he does wake up right at this time. He um attacks the robots that are trying to you know probe him. That was the word, probe. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> he attacks the robots, get gets rid of the robots that try to probe him, and this gives him an opportunity to travel around this massive ship that is basically just looks like there's just these little purple pinkish um, stasis pods embedded in the walls. And as you look and see inside each of them, we see that it's like a different being captured from every single planet, maybe that our villain Brainiac has went to and destroyed the planet and taken just like one little city. Um, Ultimately, he does make his way over into a hall where he sees these strings holding from the ceiling, holding these little um, bottles and jars. And as he looks inside, he realizes that every single one of them kind of looks like a little city. And this is where he realizes that it's also organized in a way that it maps out the um, the galaxy. Like it, you, he, he immediately recognizes the Milky Way. And he's like, if this is the Milky Way, then over here must be Krypton. And that's where he finds for the first time the lost city of Kandor um, being held in Brainiac's ship. Yeah, and shortly after Brainiac, um, at this, putting himself at the center of the galaxy that he has created, um, stands up. He's a big, tall, strong boy. Uh, he's the most jacked computer program because I'm not going to call him the oh, most jacked okay. man because Lomb- Lombard has that wrapped up. Um <laughs> And honestly, I was wondering about that. I was yeah. like, does he get second place? Because my dude was big. No, I no, it's Brainiac's juicing. You know, Lombard's all natural. You know, <laughs> I gotta give him credit for that. Brainiac gets an asterisk next to his uh next to his title. Yeah. Got it. Scrub him for the Hall of Fame. Uh, the Jack Hall of Fame. But Brainiac, honestly, pretty gangster introduction because he goes. Yeah, I would have destroyed Krypton, but it was already going to do that. So I didn't even bother. Um, he tells Superman, you exist because I allow you to be. This guy is just going off. And he shows that he can also read minds. And once he scans Superman's mind, he decides, I'm just going to go to Earth and just, you know, I'm going to collect something from that. I'm going to mm-hmm. blow up your planet. And you know what you're going to do? You go and chill in Kandor. And Brainiac, faster than a Thanos snap, 
sends Superman inside the bottle city of Kandor. This is when Superman immediately recognizes that he's in trouble because as he lands in Kandor, he's looking around and he sees that it has a red sun. So at this point, everyone starts to make their way towards him. They're wondering like, whoa, who is this uh who's this person that disappeared in Kandor? I mean, they're also impressed over the fact that he's probably the most jacked person in Kandor right now. And as he tells the people, excuse me for a second, I'm going to try to, you know, I'm just going to punch a robot in the face real quick. He flies up and this is when he realizes that little by little, he is losing his powers as he falls straight back down to the earth. And now they're trying to talk with him. And this is when um, somebody mentions something along the lines of names that he knows. And this is when he goes over to meet his long lost uncle and aunt, Zorel and Lalora. Yes. So, so I'll say quickly, we briefly go back to Earth where uh, they, Lois uses Jimmy's watch to, that mm-hmm. sends out a higher frequency because apparently Lois doesn't get one. I don't. Anyway. <laughs> um so her and Kara meet and Kara is trying to, you know, she's been rough with some other terrorists. She's been roughing up some terrorists and Lois is kind of like not okay with it. Kind of okay. It's very confusing messaging mm-hmm. what's happening here. But through her conversation with Kara, she learns that Kara confides how scared she is because she knows the threat that is out there. That is Brainiac. And this prompts Lois to alert authorities i give it to lois mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm. very smart she knows because she because metropolis is on the menu so she alerts authorities so they're here in advance and we cut back to krypton to candor <laughs> on brainiac's ship and here is my damn question didn't kara's parents escape candor at the beginning <laughs> how are they in the city right now I was trying to remember about that, too. In the comics, is a very good explanation, which I will talk about. But I was like, I want to say they done did something. And Brainiac was just like, no, no, we're bringing you right back. I don't think it was explained properly in this or if it was at all. But the fact that they are in there does make me believe that, like, maybe Kara just was, like, thrown out and... Wait, no, it doesn't make sense because she would have her parents would have put her on the what the hell did they do in this movie? Yeah, because Kara <laughs> leaves. It's shown that Kara left Kandor with her city when Brainiac collected it. And there were no there were no mentions that mm-hmm. she was um, that they were captured at the time. But she had to have been. They had to have been because she's like a kid in the flashback. But she's right. much older when she arrives to Earth and does the wormhole. So what is the continuity within this own movie? Like, why didn't you just have her parents get captured then? What difference would it have made? <laughs> and you could have, like, Superman's parents send Kara in a pod because they were doing that with her son. Like, to, to it, the movie is trying to fit in the continuity of Apocalypse and create a new continuity. Mm-hmm. And it's not clean. <laughs> it's, it's not continuing. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. I... No, I, I agree. I think this is a, a misstep in the movie. I will have to say, I will probably have to rewatch this just to confirm. We may talk about this at some point because I do need to know how the heck did they get back in there during the events of the movie? Because the comic makes sense. The movie does not currently at this point. Yeah, Brainiac would have literally had to come back at some point and abduct them years right. later because Kara is a kid when she's when in the flashback, but she's sent back much older when she's sent off Earth. You know what? The only thing I can explain this just comic book movies. That's all I got. <laughs> this is a pretty yeah. This is a pretty big blunder. I think Morbius had stronger continuity, but <laughs> my God. And anyway, it's morbid time to get back to the actual plot, where <laughs> Superman realizes the sentries are coming. Will come anytime there's a disruption. He's losing strength. Time is of the essence. So he comes up with a pretty smart plan that I love. Um, where he punches the ground um, and just messing up all the, the OSHA inside Kandor. <laughs> and he has the sentries come. And when the sentries get damaged, he's able to hitch a ride back because they're de-digitized and sent back to the ship. 
And there, once he gets on the ship, he finds a little sun that was collected in a jar and recharges. I love this plan. Such a smart mm-hmm. plan. It does make me wonder, though, why no one in Candor thought about doing this before. Well, they didn't know about the yellow sun effect. Oh, that's true. Okay, that's Which true. I'll give it them that. They did not okay. know that. <laughs> one thing the movie got right, because they were all very shocked <laughs> that he had powers. Okay, that is true. And now that Superman has recharged, it is time to bring the fight to Brainiac as he immediately starts messing him up as Brainiac is in his little stasis little thing where he's like, uh, I don't know, it's like in this cocoon kind of state. And he's like pulling things out of his head. He's like really giving him business. And it's just enough that um, Brainiac is distraught enough that Superman is able to fly back, grab Kandor, and he immediately starts to go into the engine room and sever every single connection that the engine room has. This gives Superman an opportunity to fly back to his ship with Kandor because now that Brainiac ship has been put out of commission, he's thinking that, okay, this is enough time for Brainiac to not get, you know, this delays Brainiac's possible invasion for the future. Um, as Superman flies back and Kara now back on Earth, sitting in Smallville with her glasses and that giant-ass wig, sees the Superman ship flying off into the distance. So she flies on over to the Fortress of Solitude where Superman has a special surprise for her. Uh, yep, it's Kandor. And just Kandor because he didn't bother trying to save any of the other cities at all. You no, know, I thought the same thing. <laughs> it's like, grab a trash bag, bro. Yeah. Throw them in there. I know you don't know everybody. But I think you could have gone for one more, you know, mm. uh, but he doesn't. And he he says he's going to find a way. He's going to put them on a red sun planet, which, again, weird thing to say without consent of like asking them where they would like to go. Mm-hmm, he's just going to like unjar your city. You can't like unjar, rejar it and then move. So it's like <laughs> can you ask some consent anyway. So as he is debating what to do with Candor. Brainiac and his robots pull up to Metropolis. One man's head gets squeezed like a grape. Jesus. Which, so when they break into the Daily Planet and go after my man Lombard, I don't know how he's going to survive. But luckily, (laughs) there's another Jack character in the room, Lois, who throws a chair with the force of a thousand suns, hard (laughs) enough that a robot goes flying out of the window. What? 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 Yeah. Yeah. I need to know what was going on because it, it's clear that everybody's on the Lombard fitness plan because <laughs> even what's his name? There was another character in there who doesn't get a name. A name is, I believe his name is Ron Throop in the comics, though. You mean Gold Chain? Gold Chain. Yes. Gold Chain. <laughs> <laughs> Gold Chain, along with Steve Lombard, also throw a whole desk, a desk at a group of the robots that they also go flying out. And Daily Planet, your fitness game. Is, is astounding because the fact that y'all picked up and threw a whole desk is I there is something wrong with like what is in y'all was in y'all water I need to know and now that you know the daily planet is like basically the um the center the stronghold of the citizens of of earth everybody else is getting attacked so Superman and Supergirl are now deciding whether or not to join the fight, or rather Superman's ready, but Supergirl's like, I can't join this fight. I am too scared, which leads into another conversation about what's it mean to be a hero between the two of them. Yeah, and she she just makes a connection that she felt helpless back then when Brainiac was being abducting everyone, and now she has the power to save people. So ultimately she decides that she should help. She should save. She can do something. So the super cousins go into Metropolis, which I I have to mention, a lot of people are dying, like Mm -hmm. in very gruesome ways that you don't normally see in Metropolis. Um, But Superman shows up and they do a little cool like freeze frame action shot montage of him dispatching robots. And eventually he comes down to a showdown on a bridge where Superman is a little overwhelmed. But luckily... He's got help. Mm-hmm. Because Kara shows that she also could squash a robot's head at Kiss a Grape. As she puts in the work, the two of them are working side by side. I love this. It, you know, all this um, training that she got from the Amazons and her time with Darkseid in another film that clearly doesn't connect to this one. Uh, it, it's all put into work here. 
And unfortunately, though, um, we do see that Brainiac's ship is making its way over to Metropolis. They try one last time to laser vision the um, heat vision, the, um, the mechanisms that Brainiac uses to capture the city. And this is when we see that Metropolis has been taken. As Superman looks on at Lois and he is just distraught over losing her. Did it get all of Metropolis, though? Because it seems like he left like some pretty big portions out. Yeah, Metropolis did seem kind of small. And we're not even talking about the shrinking part. Like it, it, it seemed like it was just a couple of city blocks, which is weird to me. Yeah, it, it basically it was equivalent of him like stealing Times Square and then saying, yeah. I've collected I've collected New York City. It's like, bro, you you have not. You haven't even started. <laughs> like, what are you doing? lazy oh yeah he basically <laughs> just started at where the bridge started and he just like you know it's like in lion king he just didn't touch the shadowy areas which i'm assuming is like the bronx of metropolis or something <laughs> exactly i don't know what happened but he was lazy so mm-hmm. superman and supergirl get knocked out brainiac once he superman's up superman's now in a containment unit and he says i'm gonna kill you bro i'm, I'm gonna straight up murder you I'm going to get my planet back that you stole, my my city, and then I'm going to destroy the whole Earth. Like, I'm just going to let you know that's the sequence of events that's happening. <laughs> and she he looks into Metropolis, and I love it. Lois flips, gives Brainiac a double bird salute. Yep. Um, and the threat of Brainiac destroying Metropolis and everything else he holds dear is enough to give Superman a second wind. He breaks out of containment, crushes Brainiac's head a little bit, and then throws him down an elevator shaft, Star Wars style. <laughs> I do want to point out, though, that uh, when he did crush his head, he basically turned into a bowling ball. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, God. Yeah, that's so savage. <laughs> so now Superman has to go and grab every single city that is trapped in, um, you know, that actually more that he just cares about, which is Metropolis. As yeah, so Superman ends up grabbing Metropolis. Um, and then this is where we come across where Supergirl has been tormented by the robots. Um, yeah, and she's been tormented by the robots. <laughs> so they get out, the cousins break out just in time. Um, they're fighting a bunch of robots, and again, another gangster line from Brainiac. I love every line where he just goes, Kryptonian trash, you've already failed. And he fires a <laughs> missile at the damn sun. Jesus, like, come on. That, I, I'll do this. How do you get more gangster than that? <laughs> Let's give him the gold chain, man. <laughs> he should have the gold chain. <laughs> so now it's um, Superman and Supergirl facing off against all the robots that Brainiac has. He also has this... Uh, uh, what was it with the missile also on the way? It's just like a crazy fight. And the only thing that can be done here is Superman looks over at Supergirl and states, Listen, you need to go and stop this missile because if it hits the sun, all this will be for, for naught. And she at first doesn't want to do it. You know, part of it is like she's still a little bit scared. The other part of it is just like she feels like she wants to stay, stick around and protect Clark. And she, this is when he's just like, No, this is what I need you to do. Go ahead, do it. And we play her triumphant music as she flies on off to stop this uh, missile making its way as Superman is basically showing once again his general disdain of all things robotic. Yes. And I do have to mention, because my roommate pointed this out and I can't look away, Superman is animated differently in this final scene with Brainiac where he is more Mm -hmm. jacked than the rest (laughs) of the film. And like I reround just to check it. He is more jacked in this one fight scene Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know why it's not explained he reads super saiyan or superman too i guess (laughs) yes he likes superman too this is the unbound that we were talking about actually right this is (laughs) unbound by the constraint of muscles yeah how does unbound relate to anyway um (laughs) so i have the same question don't worry yeah uh the title so superman is beating Brainiac he's just going ham and Brainiac starts to get overstimulated there's too many bugs too many mosquitoes on that we can agree um <laughs> and he just his OCD starts acting up basically 
and he just can't focus on anything. Um, so mm. while Supergirl has, while Supergirl stops the rocket at literally the last second and kind of sends it towards Mercury, I think yeah. she blew up Mercury. She's the reason why Mercury's in retrograde, yo. Exactly. Blame, <laughs> blame Kara. Um, eventually, Brainiac is so overwhelmed that he just spontaneously combusts. And we're not making that up. That That's just what happens. Like, yeah, that spontaneously uh, goes. That's life. That's literally what life does to you because that's basically how Superman defeats him by using outside space <laughs> to say this is what life is like. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, and then Superman, as as Brainiac burns, he hits Superman hits him with his classic catchphrase, "Welcome to Earth." <laughs> I feel like Superman needs to curse. Like I, yeah. I, I keep saying this, Superman needs to start cursing. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just like, hey, fuck you, hey Brainiac, you little bitch. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Where he's like, welcome to Earth, two plus two, not knowing what the fuck it is. <laughs> so now that um, the planet is safe, uh, Brainiac has been taken down. The only thing that's left is a little, um, it looks like a little mini projector that clearly was what Brainiac is. The essence of Brainiac is left behind as it fades to face dark. As Superman and Lois... Um, Stinking the show. Um, as Superman decides to now go and take Metropolis back to where it was, he opens back up the thing, and this is what leads to Metropolis to start growing. I do love the animation that they did here because there is a scene in which everybody's watching in wonder, mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh my god, it's the city that's growing, and there's this one kid who's just like, Oh shit, this is cool. Y'all see this? Kind of look on his face, and then he also flies with um, with Kara to the planet which she was talking about with the red sun. He opens up Kandor there to, and this gives Kara an opportunity to once again reconnect with her parents, um, Zorel and Alora. as we don't get a chance to really see what happens in that part there because Superman has business in Metropolis as he flies over, changes into his Clark Kent clothing, and he sees the aftermath of just like basically the daily planet being the stronghold for the citizens of earth two quick things imagine one if he rotated metropolis the wrong way when it yo, well, i was thinking about that <laughs> i was thinking about that so much i was like yo imagine if you were on 23rd street and now you are 19 <laughs> um secondly this applies to both cities but you know how cities normally have like sewage systems and underground mm-hmm. pipes and electric infrastructure <laughs> What happens with all that? Because while Metropolis, I'll let comic books be comic books, they could be perfectly intact and just reconnect and reattach somehow. That's not going to happen for Kandor because you're putting it on a barren planet, essentially, with no <laughs> underground infrastructure. So how's that going to work out for everybody? Is the city made of a steel base? Like, Not only that, but do we even know if the soil, the ground on it is even um, fertile enough that they can actually grow things? That was another issue I had with that. I don't know, and they're not going to tell you. They're like, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but back on Earth, because this all happened in one day? He found the red one planet? Day. Like, the red sun planet, and then flew right back because Metropolis <laughs> was still recovering. Um, so Lois and Clark reunite. People are being carried away on stretchers. They are recovering from this traumatic incident. And Superman goes... Clark goes, not only am I going to say kiss you in front of everybody, but I'm also going to propose to you, Lois. Everybody in that room stops to see two these two white people kiss. I don't understand. <laughs> I, like, I... That guy over there is bleeding out in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so fixated on this relationship? Why are you Even the dude that was bleeding out was probably like, oh my god, they kissed. Yeah. <laughs> Except the one angry, they they animated one person to look constantly angry throughout that scene, and he is my favorite character. <laughs> he is, he's mine too. He's just like we don't have we don't have time for this shit. Deal with this outside. You put the city back. Do something else. Um, we end our movie here. Uh, Superman again proposes to Lois, or Clark proposes to Lois, and 
we don't get an answer. We do not know if they get married in this continuity or not. But what we do know is that by the end of it, after a post-credit scene, we see that Brainiac's remains are placed within the Fortress of Solitude. Um, there are pieces of him floating in stasis, including that little mini projector, which immediately starts to light up, indicating that we're kind of not done with the Brainiac um, battle between him and Superman. Yep, and that's hard cut. We're done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that was Superman Unbound. Um, so now that we finished talking about that part of the movie, it is time to, I guess I'm going to use it because it didn't really have a connection, unbound ourselves from this part of the podcast so that you can listen to an ad for a podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family when you are not listening to us. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right, we are now going to figure out if this movie, Superman Unbound from 2013, has remained sweet over the last couple of years or has it soured over time? What do you think, Andrew? This is, you know, coming into it, I was I, I was kind of uh, split. I didn't know where I was going to go. But um, after after some thought, this is a sour. This is a sour, <laughs> sour Superman. Uh, the main reason now I'm realizing uh, one of my biggest problems with the movie is character arcs are mm-hmm. bonkers here. Um, Superman learns nothing. <laughs> <Yeah. movie. laughs> he, he is the same person as he was at the start of the film, which mm-hmm. is fine normally like in a movie like batman uh justice league doom or even superman batman apocalypse it's okay if he's kind of you know like static but here they try to make a point that he shouldn't be so focused on saving lois but at the end lois is like i want you to save me i don't have a problem Mm. with that what is your arc lois do you want superman (laughs) there or not like he doesn't that thing is all over whack supergirl's Mm. arc is completely cheapened um, because you set her up like she has to be this refugee from a, another planet, accepting her circumstance, but she comes from a different perspective as Clark, which is a great idea. Mm-hmm. And it has been done well in many other continuities. However, here, after she has put herself as a protector of Earth, she goes back to home to her parents, which is happy mm-hmm. and great, but it undercuts her arc because None of, she can just stay with her parents and be depowered and be happy. Um, that's her arc. It doesn't, it's not satisfying. These arcs are not satisfying for the characters. And even though Brainiac is a great villain in this, I do like him a lot. I just think there is so many bizarre character choices, so much time spent on Superman and Lois's relationship that ultimately doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And there's just no satisfying conclusions to anything. Even Brainiac's final fight for him to spontaneously combust. Yeah. It, it felt like a, a day ex machina to me. I wish something else would have inspired this, would have gone wrong. Like, I don't know, but his his ending just didn't work for me. Um, <laughs> my RT alteration right off the bat. Cut Lois. I, cut Lois cut from this Lois. movie. Just mm-hmm. make it a Superman and Supergirl movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that boils down. It trims it down a little bit and gets to the heart of what really this movie is about, which is a threat from the stars that Kara was powerless to stop, but now she has the power to do so. I And, you know, if she would have fought Brainiac, that would have been more satisfying too. But mm. at the very least, cut Lois. She doesn't need to be here um what about you what do you think sweet or sour uh i agree it's 
I think the majority of this movie, unfortunately, does focus in on the the um, the relationships of our heroes. Um, some of which you were saying, yeah, like Superman didn't really learn anything from it. Um, Kara, you know, it's still it's like it is left a little bit ambiguous too. Like we really truly don't know if she just decided to stay with her parents, but I'm assuming she did because of something that she kept talking about um, before everything like it seemed like maybe that was a direction that she could have gone but again it would have been better if we had like a clear thing about that or even her being reluctant about being a hero kind of like what we did with superman batman apocalypse um and also lois's stuff is was really random at times like i agree that the argument was um a bit confusing I did like the fact that we did get an opportunity to see for the first time, like in that early stage of conversation between um, Lois and Kara talking about like their lives and their connections to Clark. Cause I think that um, with the end of Superman, Batman apocalypse, and we're, I'm just keep referencing it, even though I know that it has not, is not connected in any way, shape or form, but mm-hmm. it was something that got, that got built up there in which she was like how she understands that Clark has his whole other life, but she doesn't have anything like that. And it'd been great if it was just like, okay, here is my life, Kara. Here, here are the people. Here's an opportunity for you to talk with them, be with them. And not in the sense of just like, I'm just going to, I just need you to save them once in a while. Um, so that is for me, the, the souring part is just like the, the main story thing, the, the, I guess like the B plot of it all. But if a plot is Brainiac, I will give that a sweet because I think Brainiac was a great villain in this. Dialogue was great. The tone of his voice, the menacing nature of it, those aspects of the, the journey and the movie made sense. Like that seemed like a really great um, villain to team up with, um, to have fight against, like again, against like the Kryptonians here. So I will give it a sweet only for Brainiac's performance, but the rest of the movie is has soured over time just because it does feel like it's lacking a lot of the heaviness that we've probably seen, the really great storytelling that we've seen in some of the later movies that don't even include Brainiac, but do include something about dealing with Superman. Um, also, another reason why it gets a sour for me, I realized something about Kryptonian culture uh, is very Handmaid's, Handmaid's Tale-esque. Um, oh, yeah. So something I realized was that uh, so Kara's father is Zorel, and that's Kara's last name. And I realized that Kara and Alora, I guess it's just basically in Kryptonian culture. You just the woman or the the female identified person takes on the last name of the patriarch of the family, and I never realized that until now. Oh yeah, oh god, I didn't realize that now until <laughs> damn. Which also reminds us that we didn't need to go back and do it again because we well covered it. But again, the huge plot hole of why her parents were in mm-hmm. Candor, where mm, you have yes. one movie where you could not mess that up and you did. That's also very disappointing to see <laughs> them do. Um, so that's also a factor into why it was a sour for me. Well, in that case, and I hope that when I talk about that comic book knowledge, you don't feel like... It's even more sour. <laughs> we'll finally figure out is the comic more sour than the movie? As um, you know, as I mentioned, this movie is adapted from the 2008 post-crisis story from Action Comics Volume One of Superman Brainiac. Uh, the story takes place within Action Comics issues number 866, which was released in June 2008, and concludes in um, issue 870 which was released in October 2008. So over a span of five comics, Superman gets an introduction and a big fight with Brainiac. Um, And, you know, this, um, you know, I guess now, I guess this would be the part I probably talk about Brainiac, but I'm not going to because we've already done that. (laughs) Yes, yes, we have. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Um, if you're if you want to know more about Brainiac and why um, we both agree that he is a great villain, uh, just head back to our static episode from what was it? Season three, I believe it was a yes. league of their own. Yeah. yeah. Season three, a league of their own. Um, we have a full breakdown of the history of Brainiac. We're not going to do it here. We have much funnier and WTF moments to talk about. <laughs> um, so the comic uh, again, spanned for five issues written by Jeff Johns. And it's pretty much the same. Same oh. villain, 
Okay. Same goals, similar characteristics, even Brainiac losing because he, uh, you know, encountered, he, he, he didn't learn from bubble boy um, and experienced the 1% of germs. <laughs> he even gets defeated in that way. 1% of germs gets you every time. It really does bring you life soul y'all. Um, but the main thing that I did actually like is that it doesn't focus on Kara proving herself as Supergirl as much as it did in this film. Uh, it doesn't focus on her feeling out of place. Uh, it doesn't feel doesn't even deal with Superman's fear of commitments. I feel it was another strong presence in this film. And yeah, yeah I, I don't unpack that. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing to just be like, I didn't I didn't need to know how long they were dating in the film because at least it was confirmed that at least at one point they had been dating for a year before he told his parents, which means we still don't even know how long they've actually been together. And finally, in the comic, uh, Superman and Lois are already married, so we didn't have to deal with any of that extra stuff. Uh, instead, the comic focuses heavily on actually Clark's sense of belonging and building a connection with the fact that he's now finding out about the attack that about Brainiac. Um, Kara shares some information with him. And this is when he learns that, you know, there's that Candor could still be out there, which means that there are going to be way more Kryptonians than just Kara. Nothing against her that he feels, but it's just more like, you know, it, it's astounding. We have more than just one person, more than just one being that you, that connects with you. So he's talking and having conversations with his adoptive parents, Ma and Pa Kent, all about this. While on the same side, they're telling him, it's like, well, uh, we, we appreciate, we know that you're excited to hear about your new family or you know, your new connection, but also don't forget about the family you built here. Like, you know, you got us, you got Lois, you got, you know, Kara, all that, all those connections. Don't let that be, don't forget about those um, so as I mentioned, the comic is very similar to the movie. There is, however, one big change and one big omission. And both of them together come like Captain Planet to create this episode's <laughs> WTF moment in comics. Uh, the change was the trip to Candor. Now, in the film, Superman gets shrunk, gets teleported into Candor. There he meets Zorel and Laura, finds out everything about you know, the about their connection to Kara, what they did and all that. So just like who Brainiac is and all that. In the comics, Superman never enters Candor. Okay. But he does have a conversation with Kara's parents. And it is through these crystals that we saw on the ship in the movie. They're these sunstone, Kryptonian sunstones, which honestly has some crazy processing power because when he enters Brainiac's ship and finds Candor, the um, Zorel and Alora uses one of them to, in their Honey, I Shrunk the Kids version of themselves, to telepathically connect with Clark to let him know everything that went down. Telepathically. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Um... <laughs> so this is how they explain that... And this is the explanation that they give to how they got captured, because once again, they did escape. However, Krypton, and specifically Zorel, was so impressed by the, um, the ability that Brainiac had to shrink the city. And he was like, I want to learn not only how to do that to preserve ourselves in case of the events of Krypt- um, Krypton's failure, but I also want to see if maybe there's an opportunity we can save Kandor. So he mimicked or stole the technology and Brainiac sensed that his technology was being used, so he rolled up up on Zorel and Alora and shrunk them and placed them into the city of Candor. Well, you know what? It's ridiculous, but it makes sense, so I'm I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it makes way more sense in the movie, which we'll figure out if it actually did happen like that, but um, the only reason why I gave it a, a WTF is because... Um, I need to know what the power of these stones are because the fact that they were able to communicate telepathically was just wild to me. Purple sun, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Also, because it's like, is this like a common practice? Are people just like carrying around stones, just like putting their putting their thoughts into other people's minds? Like, it's it's wild. It's an invasion of privacy. Now, for the other thing that makes up our 
WTF moment is the omission, the big omission that they didn't include. And that is the ending of our film. Uh, there is some of it is very to the point in terms of very much connects with the comic. There's one big thing as um, after Superman defeats Brainiac, after he gets exposed to that 1% of germs, um, he realizes that Brainiac's systems of protecting the cities from expanding back out is about to fail. So he leaves Brainiac behind to die to then go place Metropolis back um, in this place. But also he doesn't actually take Kandor over to um, a planet with a red sun. He actually takes it over near the Fortress of Solitude. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, that alone, to quote Batman from our Justice League Doom film, if we had a week... Uh, I could list all the reasons why that won't work. But as Brainiac is there dying, he is um, he decides that he's going to do one more F you to to Clark. So, again, he gathered all the information from Clark's mind about Earth, about Metropolis, about his family, his friends, and specifically about Smallville. So he now knows the location of Ma and Pa Kent. Um, so at this point, if his dying breath, he does do one last thing. Now, jumping to a previous um, issue of a comic, we see that Ma and Pa Kent over on farm, they are hearing, they're seeing things happening. So Ma goes into the um, to the house to watch the news. And this is when she comes out to tell Pa about the fact that like Clark is fighting against the robots, um, you know, like, and she, he's trying to calm her down. But then off in distance, they see this like streak coming at them. With his dying breath, Brainiac sent a rocket to go destroy or kill Ma and Pa Kent. And Ma doesn't see it. Pa does. He runs over and pushes her out the way just in time before she gets hit by the rocket, which eventually destroys their home. They're all in this space now where it's just like, um, he, they're both ecstatic over the fact that they survived. Um, meanwhile, Clark is, again, by the Fortress of Solitude, seeing as the city of Candor is expanding and growing, a smile's growing on his face because he's realizing that he's going to meet so many new Kryptonians very soon. But back on the farm, Pa Kent grabs his arm, immediately collapses, as we see now that Jonathan Kent is experiencing his heart attack. Martha is calling out to Clark, asking him, like, yo, you need to get here. Clark, Clark, Clark. But he's so, Clark is so busy watching Candor grow that he doesn't hear his mother's calls. And then finally, once the city is done growing, um, the only thing that he, the one, the one thing he can hear is the stopping of his father's heartbeat. So he flies over to try to see what he can do. And this story arc and this issue was when Jonathan Kent died in the DC comics. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, again, it's like one of those things where it's like, why you just let the missile kill him? Does that matter? <laughs> like, why throw in a heart attack? Right. Um, it... it seems random and arbitrary. <laughs> and I always think like the heart attack is the, the thing that Superman couldn't prevent. He couldn't have flown fast enough. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I like that kind of running theme in the story. So this this seemed extra. This seemed real extra. <laughs> yeah, it does spin off like in the later series of the comics. He does have that same kind of level of regret over the fact that he. Um, and I think that's the reason why they spent so much time and like saying that like he wanted to build that connection with um you know his with the rest of the Kryptonians, and then he just his father dies. Here's his like one connection was built, one connection was kind of severed. So. It was a little bit of kind of like what they typically do with Superman 2 in this case, where it's like he has to choose the death of his father over something else. Like Smallville did it with um, he either saves Lana or he saves his dad. And he learned the consequences of both. Yeah. Also, releasing a city of Kryptonians, that's going to have like serious repercussions, right? Like they're all oh, hell to the, yeah. powered by the yellow sun. Like. <laughs> That's not going to go well, especially the people who've been trapped there for like 30 years. Yeah. Um, funny thing about that, too, is that uh, the person who tried to save them during the time that they were captured in the city of Kandor was the one and only General Zod. So 
pretty much assume who their allegiance is going to go towards after finding out that Zod and Superman have fought. Yeah. Yikes. Well, <laughs> story for another time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so that wraps up our episode. That wraps up our comics. Um, until then, we will just be hanging around, continuing to do our sweet and sour season um, as we take on the next film, which is, it uh, looks like we're going to get the gang back together for this one, or rather, should I say the squad, as we're going to be covering the first ever feature length film that the Suicide Squad has ever done. Yes. And it's not 2016 Suicide Squad. Don't ask. Mm-mm. It's a different nope. one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, until then, take care of yourselves and remember that um, although Bubble Boy and Brainiac were similar in their setup, um, be more like Bubble Boy. Go out and experience life. And if you want to throw chairs at robots, take the Lombard fitness classes offered only this Friday at at 2 a.m. That's when you meet. (laughs) Bring your own towel. (laughs) 